Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Everything about mask mandates is political. Everything. You're, you're, you're done. There's nothing left to think about, nothing left to talk about, nothing left to share. It's all completely and totally political. Philadelphia instituted a mask mandate, indoor mask mandate, on Monday. That was five days ago for those of us playing the home game. Five days ago, they decided, well, you know, COVID cases are going up. What kind of COVID? Listen, when we tell you COVID cases are going up, you just accept the fact that COVID cases are going up. Yeah, but Omicron, that just like kind of gives you a cold thing. Right? In, in, in the vast, vast, vast main, people aren't dying of Omicron. We think it's a crisis, and so we're going to institute an indoor mask mandate. It's not, a, it's not a crisis. It's just like a, just like a cold thing. You know, some people die, but some people die of the flu. We're putting a mask mandate into place, Philadelphia, and that's the way it's going to go. But wait, there's more. Five days later, from that brave decree that there would be masks in Philadelphia because there was an increase in cases, comes the decision, you know what? F these masks. I mean, it's Philadelphia. You got to talk the way they talk. F these masks and, and, and forget it. And we don't need it. You know what? No more masks in Philadelphia. Never mind. You don't have to worry about a mask anymore. You just go about walking down the street, check out the Liberty Bell, wonder why the Eagles will never win a Super Bowl again. Live your life. That's Philadelphia, baby. Get yourself a cheesesteak, maybe two, perhaps a hot pretzel. I don't know. Are they known for hot pretzels? Just feels so good. Mm -mm -mm. Who changes this after five days? Well, people who aren't interested in science. People who are only interested in the politics. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. How the hell are you? Good to be with you. 833, got Tony. What's going on with? Talk to me. Talk to me. Call me. Love me. Be near me. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT Tony. The Board of Health voting just yesterday to rescind the mandate. According to the Philadelphia Health Department, they released a statement that cited decreasing hospitalizations and a leveling of case counts in five days. They had announced last Thursday they were going to do this on Monday. People said, what are you all crazy? And then in five days, no, four days, they changed their minds. Because according to the acting health commissioner, Cheryl Bettigol, B-E-T-T-I-G-O-L-E, telling the Board of Health at the public meeting Thursday that hospitalizations had unexpectedly gone down 25% in a matter of days. Stop it. Stop it. Philadelphia, with uh, Mayor Jim Kinney. Remember, Jim Kinney is the guy who is on, uh, or is it Jim Kenney? Yeah, it's Kenny, not Kinney. Uh, he was on the guy on camera dancing when uh, it was found out 
that Philadelphia was going to become a sanctuary city. Oh, he was so excited. Did a, he did a little dance. He, d- he did a little happy dance. He walks into the room. Ah, a sanctuary. Ah, come on. Where is city? Yeah. <laughs> he was so excited. So excited to further ruin Philadelphia. Highly, radically political. Every decision made about masks is political everywhere. It's a shame. It's a shame because masks have so absolutely divided society. They've divided families. And none of this was necessary. And again, I will tell you that if you see somebody wearing a mask, do us all a favor and shut up. No one cares about your mask opinion. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a mask opinion. I'm not saying that you can't go on social media and be like, I think this is ridiculous, or I think everyone should wear a mask. If you think in public you can tell other people what to do, you're out of your head. And if you think that, just like people screaming at you for not wearing a mask, if you yell at someone for wearing a mask, there's something wrong with you. The people who yell at others for wearing masks are bad people. You can think it to yourself. Don't say anything out loud. No one cares. Our problem in society is we have too much caring. Less caring is better. Less caring is helpful. Stop giving a good holy damn about what I do with a mask in my car, in my bedroom. Doesn't matter. Stop paying attention. Focus on your life and stop paying attention is the name of the game. Philadelphia wouldn't live by those rules and decided that they had to do something. Why? Because there was an increase in cases? Increase in cases of what? Well, COVID. Yes, but what are we talking about? COVID? We're talking about Delta? We're talking about this Omicron variant or any one of these other variants? Because these other variants may be spreading, but they are not leading to hospitalizations. We know this in mass. We're not leading to deaths. We still don't have the numbers on the comorbidities. Remember, the number they give us on the amount of people who died from COVID? That's not the number. That's also misinformation. If you do not take out the comorbidities in the number, you don't have a real number. And finally, we're seeing hospital groups do this, right? Where, well, it was, it was just a few months ago where they would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who was admitted for COVID and who actually had COVID when they were admitted? Meaning, we took in all these people and we labeled them all as, oh, they're here for COVID. But no, uh, Tommy was in because uh, he broke his toe. And then while he was there for his broken toe, they did a little test. Bloop, 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 and I assume that's what the test sounds like. Bloop, 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 and they found that he had COVID. So was he there for COVID? Of course not. But they listed up oh, another hospitalization for COVID. It's a lie. It's political. When we finally get the numbers, which will come out in some report on some Friday early evening over a nine-day holiday, right? They will bury this mother like it's their job. 
They will bury this thing like a mafioso on his first kill. That was pretty that was pretty rough right there. I may need to apologize for that visual. And it will show that more than half of COVID deaths involved multiple comorbidities. We've already seen some reporting like that, don't get me wrong, uh, but we're going, we're going to find this to be true, that COVID did not kill the amount of people that CNN loved to put on the ticker. Remember the ticker? Remember the ticker at CNN? Oh, look at all the people that Donald Trump has killed. More people have died of COVID if we're going to play this game under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump. But sure, if we want to be those people. But to be those people would be to be would mean to be political people. And honestly, it's exhausting. I mean, it's fun to make fun of 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 this Philadelphia thing, right? how ridiculous they are, and we play the music, and it's, it's, they, they deserve to be roundly mocked. They deserve to be shamed. They deserve to be told that we, the American people, think that the Philadelphia leadership are a bunch of ridiculous damn fools. And we're very happy for the people of Philadelphia that they got their freedom back. But we all know none of this had to happen. None of this was necessary. And this is where we are. The vast majority of us. The vast majority are not like the pseudo-intellectual journalists, the people who parade as journalists, who when people like myself, when this was all breaking, said you cannot stop society to save society. I opposed lockdowns from the beginning. And you know what I got told? This guy is going to get people killed. And that's when I knew these people who I already found despicable and disgusting were doing nothing more than proving it. This was all political. We politicized the virus from the word go. We politicized masks from the word go. We politicized the vaccine from the word go. We will look back upon these couple of years as some of our worst moments as a society. As some of our darkest moments, the moments that most questioned us, the moments that most tested us, tested us as a nation, tested us as families, tested us as friends, tested some very concepts of faith. Tested and showed the kinds of people out there who value their politics more than they value their humanity. There's going to be a lot to learn. And in Philadelphia, two years later, they haven't learned a damn thing. Not a thing. This mask mandate was garbage from the word go. And we all know it. And five days later, getting rid of it, they proved it. Anyone who pushes for mask mandates is acting politically and not scientifically. If the CDC wants to recommend masks, they're more than welcome to. Anyone who mandates masks is a power-hungry fool who needs to be removed from whatever office they're in. 
and the people, including your friends, including your family, including your coworkers, who think you're a bad person if you're not wearing a mask, those are people who need to leave your life. Now, sometimes you can't you can't get a coworker uh, to leave uh, your your life, but you sure as hell don't have to pay attention to them to the best of your ability. And sometimes you just have to deal with the fact that they're crazy because you know you're making the sweet cash. You keep making the sweet cash, but you never have to have respect for them. Somebody wants to wear a mask because they feel more comfortable? Sure, live your life. You don't have to say a word. You shouldn't say a word. Somebody who tells you you're a bad person for not wearing a mask? Well, that's somebody you need to just wash your hands of. Somebody who also wants to lecture to you, how dare you wear a mask? Yeah, you don't need them either. Masks are not science. Masks are politics. Count me out. I'm Tony Katz. And who put it on your calendar? I don't know. Somebody on your staff, I take it? I have no idea. Well, wasn't a complete stranger, right? It was somebody from your congressional staff, right? Probably so, but I have no idea. And as you sit here, can you tell us why it is that a, an appearance for you at that demonstration was placed on your calendar? Can you rephrase that question? How did it come to pass that it was put on your calendar that you were going to appear at a demonstration? I understand you said you were too busy. I don't don't know. I was so busy just preparing to object. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is Marjorie Taylor Greene, congresswoman from Georgia, who uh, they've decided, you know what, you you shouldn't be able to run again because, well, we don't like your face. And so she's testifying now. About January 6th, there's a challenge to her being on the ballot, right? This idea that uh, she's disqualified because she engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, right? So this is the 14th Amendment. I believe this is Article 3 of the 14th uh, Amendment that uh, says that rebellion against your nation is disqualified. There it is, Section 3. Ah, I know what I'm doing. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. So they've decided that somehow Marjorie Taylor Greene is responsible for what happened on January 6th, which was not an insurrection. Uh, It was certainly a riot, and therefore she's disqualified. So uh, she's on the stand. Associated with the wildprotest.com demonstration. No, you cannot say that or assume that. Um, that would be whoever organized this. Let's talk about that. Going back to 33. You know Ali Alexander, don't you? No, I don't really know him. No. When you say you don't really know him, you've met him, right? I've seen him before, but I don't know him. I... Yeah, how many times have you been in his physical presence, to your knowledge? I cannot even guess. Hardly any. It's pretty boring stuff. 
Look, I, I've often said Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I, I have some disagreements with. I would argue not my person, but I've also said she's going to vote for things that I like. She is. She's going to vote for things that I like and, and, and that I appreciate. And the idea that somehow, the idea that somehow she she's disqualified because of January 6th is so radically inept. And I get that people disagree with me, and I get there are people who, who see it differently than I do, even, even amongst contemporaries, even amongst my own party, if you will, conservatives. It wasn't an insurrection. It was not an insurrection. It was a riot. So say it the way it was and move on with your day. There's no need to lie. And I think the people who push the idea that that this was an insurrection, well, those are people who I more and more discount. Which brings us to Essie Cup. Essie Cup over there at CNN. Now I remember Essie Cup from her Fox days. And and lovely enough. Absolutely positively lovely enough. She has has written an article. Producer Ari, she she's got the article uh, right here, and uh, it's there. She wrote it for CNN, not CNN Plus, because that doesn't exist anymore. CNN, SE Cup. Adam Kinzinger should run against Trump in 2024, even if he loses. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about him okay, winning. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. That's right. You don't have to worry about him winning. And you think you would be out of your mind to think he should run for president. It would be entertaining. This is what Trump hate has done to people. You hate Trump so Marjorie Taylor Greene can't run for re-election? You hate Trump so Adam Kinzinger should run for president? Essie Cup. This is a ridiculous take. This lacks intellectual heft. It, 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 it pushes the bounds of, of, of reality. This is fetishism. And while fine, you know, for other places, not fine for your politics. Is that what's happening in California? A fetish against Disney? Or is Disney getting what Disney asked for? A fight. We'll break it down. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. I don't think anybody should kid themselves about the fact that this fight between Disney and Florida is real. And people have absolutely taken sides. Along, uh, of course, with lying about the the impetus here, uh, this parental rights and education bill, which those who lie and don't want to have an honest conversation have dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill. They are liars engaged in a false narrative to push misinformation. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. How are we doing, everybody? Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. But there's an interesting conversation about whether or not Ron DeSantis and the Florida Republicans in removing this district, the Reedy Creek District, removing this ability 
for Disney to engage in some self-governing of 25,000 acres and actually goes into effect a year from now. Is this too far? Is this the, the, the Florida Republicans getting revenge on Disney for opposing a piece of legislation? Or is this Disney having to learn that when they engage in some of this ugliness, they shouldn't be surprised if there is a response? Or is it more nuanced than that? Larry O'Connor joins us right now. He's a senior columnist at townhall.com, a fellow uh, radio host. And the piece that you wrote, Larry, this is the way, right? Part of the VIP section at townhall.com. You can become a VIP just like you can at redstate.com, sister site to Town Hall. You promo code CATS, K-A-T-Z. And and how you start it is is that uh, Americans are engaged in a fight for our values, principles, and rights as parents to raise our children through the lens of those same values and principles. And you make the, the argument that conservatives, moderate Americans may not recognize how these rights are under assault, but they'd be wrong. So is your take that Ron DeSantis and everything he has done is fighting for those rights and principles? Yeah, I think I would, Tony, and thanks for having me on, my funky friend. Uh, th- this is, you know, lost in some, you said we got to be truthful about this. Let's, let's be truthful about this, because lost in a lot of the debate over whether Florida was correct in their uh, response to Disney here uh, is, is a whole lot of falsehoods. First of all, this has nothing to do with Disney's right as a corporation to exercise their opinion and free speech. Uh, This goes well beyond speech. They have publicly committed to overturn this law, and they've already committed $5 million to that endeavor. That's not just speech. That's action. All right. That's number one. Number two, everyone, including some friends of mine who are conservatives, who are understandably concerned about a government wielding its power and its influence to punish a company for their political activities. And I get that impulse. I do. But they seem to overlook one very important detail, and that is what this law is, what Disney has decided that they are in favor of overturning. What is Disney's intent here? This law says that a four-year-old child should not be instructed by a government employee at a government school on the government dime. That child should not be instructed about sexual and gender ideology if it opposes their parents' beliefs. And Disney has decided that they're going to spend $5 million, at least if not more, to overturn that law. And I don't know why everyone who says, oh, this is wrong, the government shouldn't do this, this is, you know, a conservative, a real conservative, a real Republican wouldn't be in favor of the government doing that. They don't want to talk about what the law really does. And I'm sorry, if you're a conservative Republican holding elected office and you don't draw the line on a four-year-old being instructed in gender and sexual ideology against their parents' wishes by a government employee, then I'm sorry, you're not a real conservative Republican because that trumps it. So I have made the, the, the argument here that I have no interest in sexualizing second graders, and I find it very strange that some people do. And I absolutely, like you, believe that that's a worthy fight, which is going to bring us to a conversation uh, about the culture war, your time at Breitbart, your working side by side with Andrew Breitbart, the late Andrew Breitbart, and how that maybe hits you differently than how it hits me. But when you talk maybe. about other conservatives, yeah. uh, we're talking about people like people with real, real minds, people like Charles C.W. Cook over at National Review. 
you who has uh, who thinks that this is a misguided uh, attack on Disney's legal status. The argument the other way is you won. We have the legislation. Kids are protected. Disney wants to go about acting in a Citizens United kind of way and putting their dollars where their mouth is. They're more than welcome to. So why are you taking away this status uh, from them that they've had since 1967? All right. So let's say I'm a Florida taxpayer. I'm a Florida voter. And I voted for Governor DeSantis. I voted for a majority in the House of uh, Delegates or the state legislature. I voted for a majority in the Senate. I'm a taxpayer in Florida. I'm a voter. And I just put in the government that represents me, represents my values, and represents my principles. And they're doing what I want them to do as my representatives. And they've now just passed this law, which, by the way, is overwhelmingly supported, not just by those very Floridians, but it's frankly supported nationwide, even by Democrats in this country. All right. So they've just done that. And now here's this corporation who in many respects lives off the largesse of those very taxpayers. Let's just be clear here. This is this is not punishing Disney. This is taking away an incredible benefit that the people of Florida for 50 years have given them. All right. So so now I'm a voter and and my generosity in allowing Disney to be able to operate autonomously from the government the way other companies have to. That generosity that I've afforded Disney is now being turned around and used as a weapon against me personally through my representatives and through my government. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. Listen, this is not a punishment of Disney. This is a withdrawal of a special benefit. You have kids, Tony. I've got kids. We we raise our kids, right? Our kids get special things. They get gifts. They get wonderful benefits from us because we're loving parents. But if they break the rules of our home, if they actively work against us, at the very least, we're going to take away special benefits. Maybe they're not going to get to go to that great movie. Maybe they're not going to be able to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Good God, I hate Chuck E. Cheese, by the way. But that's just a with, with removal of a benefit. Disney can keep operating, keep doing what they want, follow the law. That's fine. The government's not going to punish you. But good God, the government, through the taxpayers and through the citizens and the voters, certainly shouldn't be giving them benefits and special favors. Talking to Larry O'Connor, uh, senior uh, writer there at townhall.com, I, radio host. I really w- hate Chuck E. Cheese. I'm I know, clearly. Clearly you do. Station. But it is is just, I mean, there, just look Chuck, no 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 it's it I, I don't think Chuck E Cheese is so much my demographic so I think okay, I think good. that you're good, good you could also find him at WMAL uh, radio there in Washington D C now you should understand that that, that I'm with you. But I'm I'm very, very interested in the conversation because only only the political right could actually have this conversation. On the political left, there is nothing but fealty. And we saw that from Jen Psaki of MSNBC via the White House uh, in tears over this. And I don't question whether her tears are real. I question why she doesn't have tears for other parents out there who feel absolutely abused by what schools were, were trying to do and feel thrilled with what Governor DeSantis is doing. But very often yeah. this is labeled, Larry, as, as the culture war. Uh, and and so I'm a guy who who wrote for some of the Breitbart sites back in the day. You were an editor of the Breitbart uh, sites and, 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 the, and the video world. You, you worked with Andrew. You've been more uh, maybe connected to the culture war uh, than I have in, 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 in those kinds of ways. 
I don't think culture war is such a bad thing to say, man. I don't. Since when did this become a problem? It is a culture war. It is against Randy Weingarten and what's going on with unions. It is against legislation uh, like this. It is against a, a, a what we see, the attack on the libs of TikTok, uh, a Twitter account. It is uh, regarding Hollywood and how they act, but how they want to treat us. Why is culture war such a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. It, 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 here's the thing. The, the culture in our country... Uh, via our schools and education and academia and music and film and television and theater and late night comedy shows. It's really not important, except for the fact that it's probably the most important thing around. Okay, that it, it is literally the most important thing because these fights are being fought on that tundra, on that territory. Otherwise, why would the left be so freaked out about this? Why would that why would they care so much if this isn't critically important to them? They're just not used to us fighting back. And, and the idea that this is a culture war, the only reason I don't like the terminology of culture war is because it's wielded to paint a picture that we conservatives are picking a fight, that we are waging the culture war. No, 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 no. We didn't wage the culture war. The war has been thrust upon us, and we just happen to lately be standing up and fighting back. We're actually finally engaging in the culture war that has been pretty one-sided for the last couple of decades. So the question that then gets asked, right, because the you, you see what they're trying to do with, with this, this legislation and what it's trying to stop. And then there are people who want to make the claim that it's don't say gay. It's going to endanger the lives of, 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 of young children. They're going yeah. to some pretty big damn extremes to be able to say we should be able to sexualize second graders. We should be able to teach gender identity to second graders. This is the hill they're going to die on with America? Listen, I, you know, I, you were polite enough to mention my radio station in Washington, D.C., WMAL. We're, uh, we're, I do the morning show just as, as you do uh, your great show in Indianapolis on the station that I love so much, WIBC. Um, you and I, we get to talk about the things that matter most to the people in our audience because they're happening right there in their neighborhoods. They're happening right there in their backyards, right? It's, it really is a a benefit, a joy almost to do local radio compared to, you know, a a national show where you're sort of stuck just talking about Pelosi all day. And one of our local stories in Washington was the fights in the school board meetings in Loudoun County and in Fairfax County, Northern Virginia. And it got a lot of attention, right? I mean, you probably saw quite a bit of those, those discussions that we were having. It ended up affecting the gubernatorial race in Virginia, a state that has been going Democrat statewide for every election cycle since 2009. And suddenly a Republican out of nowhere beat an incredibly well-funded quasi-incumbent in Terry McCullough. How did he win that election? Because of this issue. Because of this issue, because parents draw the line on their kids. They, and they very much draw the line on our tax dollars going to a government institution with government employees specifically undermining our own children and the values that we're trying to teach in them. And, yeah, it won in Virginia with the schools, and now it's a winning issue in Florida with Disney. This whole relationship with Disney that Florida had was kind of this. Listen, we're going to give you these benefits. We're going to give you these tax breaks and these, these, these um, uh, uh, regulation breaks, and you can self-govern. But here's the deal. You mind your business, which is building hotels and theme parks and bringing 
tourists here. You mind that business and we'll mind our business, which is which is running the state. Okay, and you keep your nose out of ours and we'll keep our nose out of yours. And then Disney violated that trust. And when you do that, I'm sorry, you've got to respond and do what's right for the voters and the people of that state. And that, and that's why, frankly, I'm, I'll tell you, Tony, I mean, it's, it's pretty early in the 2024 election cycle. But Ron DeSantis is showing me that he's the guy who gets it and he can actually utilize his role in government and elected office. He's not interested in just winning the, the election. Once he gets in, he actually does what the people want to do. Wait a second. Wait a second. Ron DeSantis is doing that in Florida, sure. But I've got Governor Greg Abbott of Texas that's uh, sending people here illegally to Washington, D.C. I've got Christy Nome who's protecting the rights of, of young women in sports. And I have got the great governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, doing absolutely nothing. normally normally i bring up the governor of indiana but for you i mean between holcomb and hogan that's a twofer right there yeah pretty fun stuff isn't it it's like a it's like a dream look it's it's um it's going to be i i think that the real contrast obviously is that everybody's waiting to hear what trump said and I, i made a veiled reference to trump who I like by the way and i think that he was a fine president and and he should still be our president in my opinion but Let's face it, he he did not utilize the power of his office in the most judicious and effective way because of a whole lot of uh, uh, extracurricular and unforced errors. Not all his fault, certainly, but some of them were his fault. Uh, and, and the fact that DeSantis doesn't provide those distractions and doesn't provide the, the, the challenges that go along with being Trump, I think raises him uh, above the former president at this point. Larry O'Connor, you can find his work at townhall.com, where he's a senior columnist uh, and radio host. Larry O'Connor is his name. This is the way. Become a VIP over there at Town Hall. You can use promo code CATS, K-A-T-Z. Uh, Larry, do you have a promo code? Ah, don't worry about his. Just use mine. It's totally You're fine. promoting my article with your promo code? Is that what's going on here? God bless America. God bless <laughs> America. You're Larry O'Connor, good. always a pleasure, man. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. I don't actually understand how this is possible. The Secret Service is making the claim that it has no records of who visits Joe Biden in Delaware. How? How how can there be no record? You know, if family visits Joe Biden, I don't worry about it. And someone had commented, well, what about Hunter and all those connections to China and Ukraine? It's still his son. I am not arguing that Hunter Biden is a good guy. I am I am stating without question that Hunter Biden's a bad guy and a corrupt guy. And when you're a bad corrupt guy with these connections, maybe that's something we do need to know about. But in the main, I'm not worried about if your family comes to visit. I'm not worried if friends come to visit, but any dignitaries come to visit? Any high-profile donors come to visit? To not share that information is a thing. To not share that information, I argue, is problematic. To be desirous to change that, to, 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 to hide that information. 
Well, now I think now I think you're 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 desperate desperate to cover something up. And that's what I think is going on. Now I have no proof of that, of course. I could say that that's what I think is going on. I have zero proof. And who am I to be engaged in any level of rumor? So let me ask it this way. Does anybody else think it's okay that the president of the United States can be at his home and taking guests and the American people don't know it? Could we find that there are guests that only come to Delaware and don't come to the White House? Because after all, you can't have them showing up at the White House. I'm as bothered by the story as anybody else. And this was an, a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request. And, and the Secret Service like, yeah, we don't keep records of that. Stop it. Stop with the crazy. No one believes you. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. More to come. Keep it right here.